Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're taking a look at the recent purchase of Yahoo by US telecoms giant Verizon for 4.8 billion US dollars. Peter, um, lead us in. Give us your analysis of this deal, please. So I think it's easy to uh, lampoon um, uh, Yahoo and its uh, various decision makers and its board over the last 15 years for lots of bad decisions. But I'll just give a few examples. So um, the big deal that lots of people remember uh, that was uh, not taken up was in 2002, Google uh, offered itself for sale um, and uh, wanted uh, $5 billion um, and Yahoo passed it up. Um, but a bit of a bit of research it seems to suggest that actually that may not have been a bad decision. You know, Google's revenue was only about two hundred forty million at the time, and so you know, it was it was potentially um, and it, Yahoo was around eight hundred and forty million a year. So it was a that was a big purchase. That wouldn't have been a buyout. That would have been a more of a merger and been a big deal. So <clears throat> lots of risk. Uh, and so maybe um, they were rational to make that call. Um, but before that, 1998, they had been offered to buy license to use Google technology, but they, but they passed that up. Um, but in, in, in the 15 years or so that Yahoo's been a, a big big tech giant, they've had, they've, they have bought lots of good technologies, which they have, um, to a greater later extent, been able to implement uh, nicely. Um, but they, the the... the, the but there are various botched examples. So a good example was Flickr in 2005. In the same year, was uh, they bought Delicious, which was a uh, social bookmarking platform, and Upcoming, which was a social calendar platform for sharing events that were happening. Mm. Um, and uh, there's much debate about what went wrong, but they, it, I, th- I think it was a, a difference in ethos that meant that they didn't value the, the social elements of these things as much. So uh, the Yahoo's got a mixed a mixed history in, in, in mergers and buyouts. Okay, and just being completely explicit here, I mean, one of the... Th- the reason why this has raised our eyebrows, let's say, is because um, this was the purchase was just for four point eight billion dollars. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at one time, uh, Yahoo was valued at one hundred twenty-five billion dollars. As you said, it could have bought Google at a certain price, and Google now makes lots of money. And it lo- basically, I, I think the subtext here is, hey, Yahoo's gone really down in value, right? That that's kind of the point. Yeah. Um, but something you said there, which I think is really interesting, which I know this is a big thing at Aleph Insights, which is that the decision not to buy Google, we look at it now and go, oh, God, that's a disaster. Look how brilliant Google's done. But actually, you can look back and go, with all the information that was available at the time, it was actually a good decision. It was a very defendable um, a very defendable decision. And, and, and I guess that begs the question, if, if Google has become such a huge success, um, and I guess the question we really want to ask here is this is about spotting potential. How can we spot potential? Yeah, in, so, in, indeed. I mean, so would, go and run with that. Would Google have been the success it has been today under, under Yahoo? Arguably not. I mean, Yahoo bought another search engine, which was 
thought to be sort of second best in 2002, following the that, the fallout the, the the that deal falling through, uh, called uh, Ink to Me, which oh, really? I've never actually heard of. No, nor me. Um, is it but, is it Ink to Me? Ink to Me, Ink to Me, Ink to Me. Oh, okay. Might be. Um, but the, the <laughs> but they th- that deal sort of turned out to be a loss. They didn't manage to implement those technologies uh, well enough to make a profit out of those. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it could could be that Yahoo's just not very good. Who knows? What? what okay, so they're not very good at doing stuff. Doing Still, four point eight billion dollars. I mean, if anyone out there would like to come and make an offer for my company, <laughs> I will accept half that. You know, so um, I think which is the, a deal. The, this is you know the 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 holy grail, isn't it? For for you know venture capitalists and um, uh, and people who are thinking about startups and people who go on Dragon's Den. Um, is how do we know whether this idea is going to succeed? So how do we know that we have? Obviously, you know, a lot of the a lot of the valuation. You look at, um, you know, the ludicrous uh, valuations or superficially ludicrous valuations for some of these companies, which you know don't do anything. Um, you know, like uh, like Twitter or Facebook or even even Amazon, which I think may may have moved into profit but has never made a profit. Which Amazon? Is, uh, yeah, uh, really? yeah, and and um, the the uh, the enormous valuations are obviously driven by the promise of future revenue. So the value, you know, the the theory of valuation is that it's a combination of both um, expected revenue, you know, now well, it's a sort of net present value of of, of uh, future um, revenue. So, you know, you buy a share, uh, you will one day get some profits from that share because the profits will be shared among the shareholders. You know, you get a dividend out of it. That's the idea. Um, and, uh, you know, the, but when, when you have companies which are loss making, but still have enormous valuations, that has to be because there is an expectation that at some point they will find a way to monetize um, their 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 brand value and their reach and and their, their user assets. base and so on. Um, anyway, so so the, basically, the, the the holy grail is you know can we find a company which is valued uh, 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 something smaller than it's actually worth than it ought to be valued at? That's what you want as an investor is to find that. And that's how stock markets work as well, right? Well, yeah. I mean, and so this is, I suppose, you know, where where I'm going is is that um, there so far no one's found it because I mean if if they had done uh we would we would you know everyone would be a millionaire there is no one uh has successfully found there are rules of thumb that people use there are lots of you know things that vcs will look for so for venture capitalists um when they're looking at a startup often won't won't really look at the idea so much as look at the team because actually most startups don't end up doing what they were set up to do and actually what you really want is good people who will be adaptable and and will uh you know pivot whatever they're doing in in the direction that the market wants them to do for example and um you know there are uh, uh, you it's quite easy to spot obviously bad ideas but it's in the realm of the of the things that are um you know all potentially uh, winners uh that's that's where this this question becomes most important you know so which should i buy this company should should i invest in this share and and the evidence is that you know unless you're a wizard you you are not going to be able to outguess the market right so so there's no there is no evidence that anyone, any investors, so I'm thinking here of sort of stock market investors rather than this sort of early stage venture capitalist type investment. But there's no, there's no evidence that, that any investors can consistently beat the market. Um, 
a lot of uh, commentary about the uh, way the stock market works kinds of depend kind of depends on the idea that there is you know oh i the shoeshine boy uh, told me he was selling oil so you know i i made a made a fortune on it mm. sort of stories but but actually um you know there's no there's no evidence that so, that that yeah, some investment that, that, strategies are, are yeah. going to beat others um it, you know which leads us to conclude that probably the market is pricing these things well and that you know it doesn't matter if you've got something which you know which is promising a thousand percent reward that is going to be much less likely to uh, succeed than something which promises you a 10 percent reward okay we're going to come on to peter but first isn't but isn't there a strategy which maybe does work which is actually what you're saying which is researching fundamentals isn't isn't I mean, no, no because the point is that unless you're the point is that somebody else will have researched those fundamentals. For you and me, right? I'm not, no, no, let's no. assume we're not we're not venture capitalists. Okay, so what I'm saying no, is, so, so, this is classic what Warren Buffett does. He sort of, you know, he, he researches stuff himself. Or there's another investor who um, he will use sort of, you know, stuff that's going on in actual life around him and sort of draw conclusions the, from the, that. The, there is a, that is not universally agreed that uh, people like Warren Buffett are making money because they're, so fantastically astute okay. because they have such a big influence on the market anyway that that there may well be a, just a sort of circularity to that, that, okay, that you fine. know they're able to make profits because people see them sure. as you know and follow their lead okay. so so there's not so so what all I'm all I'm saying is that you at home are not going to be able to sit down and be better on average at spotting winners uh, and that actually it doesn't matter whether you're investing in something early on or whether you're investing in it once it's a raging success. The probability of it succeeding is going to be priced in. Okay. Yeah. Peter? The, the, yeah, the, the, just to pick that up, the, mar- the market already has all the information available kind of in the price of, of any given stock. So we just invest in an index then? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, but the, the, where the shoeshine boy providing is giving you information that other people are not a party to, so therefore you can adjust your... Uh, your you can adjust the market value to what to factor in that new to factor in that new information that you received. Um, so, but the, I should point out why I've been talking about sort of you and me non venture capitalists is that there is a market, right? So, so where you have a market, you can assume uh, for all intents and purposes that the market has priced in whatever information you think you're going to turn up through a Google search. However, the situation is different for, you know, well, particularly early stage venture capitalists um, who uh, for, are looking at something for which there's no market. You know, they're, they're, and, and uh, you, you know, there's, when, you, when you've got a company that doesn't really exist yet, you can't, you can't put it up for sale. You know, we're talking about these things before they hit the market. And there it does become an issue, you know, of looking at fundamentals, looking at all the usual things, the, doing the market research. But there, there are still, you know, inherent technological constraints, particularly when it comes to um, new innovative technologies. You know, something like Facebook, no one knew the world wanted Facebook until it became a huge success. There's no reason to think, well, I'll invest in this because, you know, social networking is the future because it might not have been. OK, so look. I mean, we're halfway through uh, our podcast. Um, um, have we answered the question? That's it. Um, how 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 do you spot potential? You can't. Thanks very much. You know, speak to you next week. See you next week. Is that it? I mean, is well, there more? I think just I mean, pick up the, the 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 point that Yahoo also passed up an opportunity to buy Facebook at, in two thousand and six. I think they but, but they've they, got a they've really got a track record uh, in yeah, this I, stuff, haven't they? Again, and again, I think it, because they considered the price to be too high for what they were buying into. But I, but I, in that particular instance, they, 
I think had failed to spot the 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 idea of social networking was already a thing, but they failed to see how they would monetize it in their from within their current business model, mm. and that's one of the reasons they passed it up. Time, time may prove them right, for all we know. Oh, indeed, yeah, indeed. But they, but it, it, it was worth something then, and it was worth a lot more now. And it was, it was the, 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 the writing on the wall was that it was going to grow. But they, but they, they, I think Yahoo has had a very traditional view of what it thought it was doing. Yahoo considered itself a, a media company whose job was to produce content get users to look at that content and pay money for it either through adverts or paper pay-per-view type subscription hmm. rather than google google facebook etc who see themselves primarily as innovation companies it's an engineering company solving problems with a, a, a much sort of more fundamental uh driver in facebook's case it's joining people up and in google it's getting people access get, getting people the information that they're looking for. Um, so they don't fit. There's a difference in ethos, and that's partly what drove their decision. So had they had, they had the bravery to say, well, we're going to buy this thing and we'll, we'll, we'll change our whole entire business model, then maybe they would have made a success. Okay. Look, let's take this in. A, let's look at this, turn this on ahead a little bit. Okay. You're in the business of um, analyzing decision-making uh, processes in the... In with the, with a view to getting better at those decision making processes. Okay, um, I'm a venture I'm a venture capitalist with a few million quid to spare. I come to you. I come to Nick and Peter Aleph Insights. Say, listen, I want to get better at um, picking the firms that I invest in. I want to I want to find the next Facebook. Or I want to. Um, I want mm. to. How can I get better at spotting yeah, potential? That's what they come to you with. What would your advice? Well, be I've, to them? I've, so the thing is that I've, you know, I've, I've, tr- I've tr- tried to look at this. I've, I looked. I've been looking uh, for um, any evidence that connects measurable indicators to success. Mm. Um, that that you know isn't priced in anywhere. And I just it's just uh, I haven't found any plausible stories about you know which are backed up by data. Which which say that okay here are some things that are easily measured that will enable you to you know correctly value a company and if you ask people who are who are whose job is to value companies they will all tell you it's you know and this is in inverted commas because I don't really know what it means but an art rather than a science that 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 you know it, it's somewhat akin to you know political forecasting trying to say whether a particular thing will succeed is. Uh, just very very hard because the system is complex a, a startup is going to be subject to a huge amount of forces both you know internal political ones uh, external market ones technological ones uh, that are going to affect whether or not it succeeds and there's just no there, there is no simple model that you can apply um, to uh, to sort of consistently um, to, to consistently pick the winners and uh, and give up on the losers so it is you know the kinds of the, the strategy that VCs use is probably a good one, which is to you know to invest in lots of things and 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 be interested in your average return. Okay. Um, and not you know the the job your your job is not to be able to say this company has got it made, it's going to succeed, and that one isn't. But simply to say, look, these you know we've got these twenty five startups. 
all of them are telling a story which is kind of plausible. There's not much we can do really to refine our estimate of how successful they're going to be. So we'll we'll invest a bit in all of them. I like this because this is um, uh, I can feel a new career beckoning for me as a venture capitalist. Because this is very much the Fraser School of decision making, which is like, oh, this is complicated. Let's just do this. Take you know. a guess. I like that, and thank you for uh, for validating that for me. Um, Peter, you wanted to say something. Yeah, the but the the, the 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 decisions related to whether or not to invest in something are not really distinct from any other kind of decision. So, if you if you if you are capable of processing more information do that get get more more and more information perhaps consider not letting the market price anchor you in any way so mm. try and formulate your own market price without considering what the real market price is and then if it's different which it probably will be mm. try and consider why that is do you know more about the company than perhaps the average marketeer does mm-hmm. or do you know less um, and then that, that provide may provide you with a with an insight that you wouldn't otherwise have got okay um we're pretty close i think we sort of you know kind of got to this really um i want to wrap up anything extra you want to say nick peter okay shaking of heads i've got a question for you uh what yahoo was founded in 1994 what does it stand for what does does the letters actually mean something i'm sure it's not a backronym what's a backronym where uh, someone has now looked at and go actually this is what it means yeah yeah, and they I, kind of make sounds... up an acronym in, in yeah. Yeah, it might do actually. I, I just... There are examples of that on there. I can't bring one to mind. I know, I know, people make up backronyms for words like like uh, some people believe that the word posh comes from port out starboard home. I thought that was the case. No, it absolutely not? does not. No, but for some reason, <laughs> uh, inventing acronyms uh, is ve- is uh, you know is very popular among amateur um, etymologists, but but they're, they're almost always wrong. So we need further research on this. This one is, um, I found it on the internet. So, I mean, oh, well, I mean it's probably, did you yeah. use Yahoo search engine <laughs> to do that? Have they got one anymore? I don't know. They must have. <laughs> um, Yahoo stands for yet another hierarchically organized oracle. What do we think? Uh, so we could take a vote on that. What do we think this is accurate that it was founded with that? What do you think? Well, that would fit with the, the original, the, the original search technologies um, uh, were, based around experts making a big category structure of websites that would that you could browse around, much the same way that AltaVista did. And they bought AltaVista in 2003. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's... I'm very sceptical. I think they thought Yahoo, it's a very sort of 90s new sector, uh, you know, brightly coloured, exciting logo um coffee shops uh you know kind of indie music sort of uh, thing isn't it and uh no doubt they then thought you know what well let's invent a, a an acronym that that fits it okay so you say backronym what do you say i like this new word backronym so you say backronym what do you say yeah i, I think that's apocryphal the the that it it's was apocryphal i think we need to do it's some research ob- it's a bit too obscure and a bit of a mouthful really it is it is I, do you know what I think might have happened, though? Which is, it's a bit like I was listening to a program the other day uh, about um, wimps. Wimps. Yeah. Okay? The, in, a, in, a, in an astronomical sense. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, that the people who at the time sort of just... So somewhere between an acronym and a backronym where they, they wanted something snappy, they wanted something, so they kind of, you know, um, manipulated it. So, so that it What could, does it stand for? Wimps. Um, so it's something like it's it's to do with dark matter, 
um and it's um it's something like weak um something matter i, d- I don't know but uh, the thing about <laughs> the thing about dark matter is that it's it's got <sighs> i wasn't quite prepared for this the thing about dark matter is that one of the reasons why it's really difficult to spot is because it, because it's dark is 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 because it actually it has a very oh god I can't remember. I can't remember just why. Just leave it at that. It's dark. It's really dark, so it's hard to see. Yeah, but also stuff goes through it. Like that, we've got dark matter right now going through our bodies, and we just don't know about yeah. it. It doesn't interact it, with the with our matter very yeah, much. Yeah, because it weakly influences yeah. stuff. Weakly uh, influences. Yeah, sounds like the beginning of wimps. Right there, we go. And there's another opposite weak, weak of, interaction. Weekly, I think it's weekly particles. interacting matter particles. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you can imagine these poor geeky scientists in a basement somewhere going, brilliant, we've come up with it. So that's what I think might have happened here in Yahoo. So anyway. All right, we'll stop there. Um, I, I, did, I did want to make one little point. Go on. Which I should have made earlier, so maybe you can weave it in somehow. Mm. But when I, when I said that uh, Facebook and Google are engineering companies, so they're all about innovation, they're all about fixing new problems, mm. that gave them a certain tool set that Yahoo lacked, which is perhaps why they are stronger now than they were at the time. And they, they, they are the winners, as it were, in this race. But uh, uh, but it's not, it's not to say that Google and Facebook were any better at reading the market than Yahoo. It's just that they had the right tools to deal with it when opportunities arose because okay. they were innovators. Good. Okay. I like. It's a good point, although I'm always slightly wary that there seems to be a subtext often in your points. Which is that it's the engineers are always right, you know that it's oh God if only the world would be a better place if we listened to the engineers. Um, so um, so we'll draw this to a conclusion there. But I think the answer was, can we spot potential? Potential? No, we can't. I think that's our conclusion. So we'll wrap up there. Thank you very much, chaps. I'm Fraser McGrewer. I've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. This has been the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. Thank you very much. Until next time. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.